Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Cedarville Stories podcast. I'm Mark Weinstein, and today on the program, I am talking with Dr. Ruth Sylvester and Dr. Lori Ferguson, two professors from the School of Education and Social Work at Cedarville University. Dr. Sylvester, before joining the faculty at Cedarville, was a fifth grade teacher and assistant principal for curriculum, and she was on the faculty at Southeastern University and the University of South Florida. Dr. Ferguson was a seventh and eighth grade math teacher in the Fairborn City School District for seven years, and then a third grade teacher at Cedar Cliff Elementary School before joining the faculty at Cedarville. In 2007, she began supervising teacher candidates in the Department of Education, which led to an adjunct position teaching math and eventually to a full-time faculty position. Together, Dr. Sylvester and Dr. Ferguson launched a new program called Symbiotica that allows middle childhood education students to gain teaching experience in a classroom setting on campus with fifth and sixth grade homeschool students. We will talk at length about this program and so much more today on the podcast. So now let's go to my conversation with Dr. Ruth Sylvester and Dr. Lori Ferguson on the Cedarville Stories podcast. Welcome, guys. Good to have you in studio. Thank you. Good to be here. And uh, before we dive into the Symbiotica story, which is a main central part of what I want to talk about today, I'm interested in hearing your stories of how you came to Cedarville. What were some of the factors that led you to come to teach at Cedarville? I'll start with you, Dr. Sylvester. Well, I, um, I'm from Florida, and I got my master's and my Ph.D., from the University of South Florida in right. Tampa. I had the privilege of teaching at the University of South Florida. And I love being there because uh, it's a research one university. And I felt like, okay, I, I did all this work to learn how to be a researcher. I may as well stay at a research university. But after I was there for about six years, I uh, just felt the call to be in a Christian environment of higher education. Okay. And I had taught at a Christian school for a number of years, like in Christian school. Okay. And that's when I, I was uh, in administration, and I got my a PhD during that time. Then one day, I, I was just looking through the uh, Chronicles of Higher Education, okay. and I saw that there was a an opening for a literacy professor at Cedarville University. And I thought, oh, Cedarville. I have a lot of friends who went to Cedarville. There were such... A, great examples of the Christian faith. There were such polished people. And I thought, okay, wow, I I think I need to check into Cedarville. And so I applied and I got the position here at Cedarville, and which is kind of a different story. Most people travel south. They don't go from south to north. My husband and I, we still have a home in Florida and we go there as often as possible. But we we love Cedarville. We love everything about the university and uh, Ohio. People are so super friendly. That's one of the things that we really noticed. You traded the warmth of Central Florida for the cold of Ohio in the winters, that is. What have you experienced at Cedarville that makes that a trade you'd make any time? It's because of the students. The students here are incredible. And not just that, but the quality of the professors um, I have the privilege of just working on committees with various professors across, you know, all the disciplines. All disciplines, right. Yeah, nursing, engineering, and um, and just to see their credentials and their love of Jesus, the fact that they want to be here is inspirational. And it just, I just see that it's a great, it's a great fit for me. Yeah. And uh, it makes me, 
actually proud to be here at Cedarville. Dr. Lori Ferguson's story is a little bit different. Uh, I know I know her a little bit because we go to the same church. She's a senior girl. She graduated first in her class in high school, and she's a graduate of Cedarville University. So what drew you back to your alma mater to be on the faculty? It wasn't something that I set out to do. When I graduated with my teaching degree from Cedarville, I set out to change the world one student at a time. And I still see that as part of my passion, just with bigger kids than I started out teaching. And I taught um, several years in eighth grade. I taught third grade as well. And it was when one of the professors here, Dr. Sue Baker, had back surgery and was out for a while. And she asked, because I was still in the area, if I would come and teach for her for a course. And I did, and I absolutely loved it. It just so happens that I taught the methods of teaching middle school mathematics course for her, which is one of the courses I teach now. But the feedback I got from the students, uh, the excitement of being with adult learners, I mean, adult compared to, you know, (laughs) 10-year-olds, 18 is a big jump. And at that point, they are 22. It was their senior year getting ready to graduate and just seeing the difference there. But still this desire to learn and seeing their desire to want to go out and teach and change the world one student at a time, Mm -hmm. similar to mine, and just stirred a new passion. Dr. Baker then pursued me. I went back and taught in the classroom, but she pursued me in a way uh, that definitely piqued my interest. And she was going to retire Mm -hmm. and said that her position would be open. And at that point, I had just had my master's degree. I didn't have my doctorate at the time, but I um, applied for a doctoral program of study at the University of Cincinnati in teaching mathematics, and I was accepted. And then I went ahead and applied for the open position here from Dr. Baker's vacancy and was hired and basically took her courses a little bit at a time. She was still here for those first few years and mentored me as I began. But Dr. Baker is a big part of that story as well as just, I don't know, desires changing when you sure. have a new experience. Yeah. So that was mine. So Dr. Sylvester, uh, before you moved into the college scene, what levels were you teaching? I taught uh, fifth and sixth grade. Okay. Uh, I started out teaching sixth grade for like three years and then fifth grade for eight years. And then I went into administration. Okay. So as elementary school teachers, basically, do you see a difference from the young students learning and their interest and their engagement compared to the college student of today? Well, I taught eighth grade mathematics for seven years, and I did teach a year of seventh grade science and a year of third grade. But almost all eighth grade students who take math aren't eager (laughs) to learn. (laughs) Are eighth graders in general? Maybe eighth graders in general. It's definitely... Because they're so social. They just yes. they love their friends. They, they love mm-hmm. their friends, and they, they would rather be—they all love science at that grade. They okay. would rather be doing a science experiment and yeah. watching things blow up and um, <laughs> starting fires and dousing their friends with liquids. And not Boys and girls. You know, all of them, yes. Okay. Um, so the science teacher, I feel like, was always one of the favorites. A lot of students don't um, put forth a lot of effort in mathematics, or they fall into a camp. I'm either good at math or I'm not good at math. And then when you— when you view yourself that way, it's hard to motivate students to learn. So that was a big challenge in my position. Not that a teacher is the sole person for 
motivation, but we play a role in that. Big role. And it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard um, mm-hmm. in the middle school level to motivate students to want to do mathematics and to learn mathematics. I will say I gave it my best shot and I had great years and did really enjoy that. But the difference coming here is maybe not all that great. I use several of the same teaching strategies. It's just the way you work through them is different. The students here, I don't have to be as big of a motivator. They obviously with you know maturity comes some more intrinsic motivation and they want to be teachers. They want to learn this. So that piece is different. I don't have that big of a role, but I still use similar teaching strategies. Um, I use what I learned here even as an undergrad student and what I learned in my doctoral degree with teaching strategies with um, there's always new research coming out. So keeping up with that, too, is good. But one of the biggest differences is that I don't have to be as big of a motivator because the students here really do want to learn. So with that kind of experience with both of you in, in the classroom, do you feel like that brings an added value to the classrooms today because you taught the kids who you're trying to teach to teach those kids going forward. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Does that, does that bring added value to the classroom for you mm-hmm. from your oh, perspective? Sure. And we mm-hmm. have, I don't know about you, Dr. Ferguson, but I have so many stories to tell and they're, they're real stories. Tell me one. And this, oh boy. <laughs> tell me one. <laughs> oh, let's see. What story can I tell? <laughs> I can let's, share one. Okay, you I, have one I use some stories from my teaching years, mostly from my very first year of teaching. And I use them as case studies from our middle childhood Students. One of the stories I tell is about a student that I had who had an agreement with the school counselor that whenever she felt anger building, she could pull out an anger pass and leave class. Oh, wow. And so nearly every day when she got to my class, (laughs) she would whip out her anger pass and leave. So she was very rarely in my class. Fast forward to we get to, um, the end of the third quarter of that year, and she qualified for the reward trip to go roller skating and to lunch. That We took the eighth graders who had good behavior, and she made it somehow. And she went, and I sat by her on the bus. I knew that she really didn't like me, and I just wanted to get to the bottom of it. So I sat by her on the bus, and she told me that she didn't, that I would never understand where she came from, that she was from Rat View, which is... Uh, part of the one of our local communities, um, they named themselves Rat View. She was from there, and I would never understand what it was like. Once a rat, always a rat. Mm-hmm. And the reason she left my class every day is because she hated my stupid smile. So I always greet my students at the door, and I would smile and welcome oh, wow. them to class. And that was what tipped her off. And she would flash that anger pass and leave, and she just couldn't stand my smile. So we ended up talking for the whole bus ride to the skating rink and little known fact about me, I can cut it up on a pair of roller skates. So she was impressed with that. (laughs) And then she ate lunch with me. She just kind of became my buddy for the day. And that was the most I had talked to her for the entire year. And this is the end of the third quarter. The next quarter, she got in a fight. She had gotten in a lot of fights. This was the last straw. She was expelled from school and her father wouldn't let her move in. So she went to a group home. Mm. Um, But I got a phone call from the group home. And it was a message from her. And she said she wanted me to know that I was the only teacher and possibly the only person in her life who ever loved her for who she was. So I use that as just a case study. What do you do with students like this? How do you meet them where they are? How do you invest in their lives? How do you smile (laughs) knowing that some of them will hate you for it, but knowing that um, you still have to meet them where they are? I mean, do you ever hear from that student today? 
I she did move away and I have I only saw her one time and it was several years after she graduated from high school. She moved out of the state. She graduated from high school and she was visiting and I happened to run into her at one of the local malls and she asked me if I remembered her. Of course I remembered her, you know. Um you don't forget students. It's hard to forget students in general, but especially students who have that big of an impact on your life. Yeah. Uh and she had gotten an associate's degree and was working in a hospital and I was just really proud that she was able to kind of turn some things around. How does that make you feel that the Lord used you mm-hmm. for a big impact on this person who really had no one else? Well, I cry easily, so if my voice gets a little shaky, it's because I'm remembering. That's okay. Um I share those stories as case studies because it is really easy in the K-12 environment uh, to give up, right? Because, I mean, students are, they can be really difficult and their lives are very, very difficult. And you can't make everything right. Only Jesus can. Right. But living for him and then every once in a while seeing what that brings, knowing that if you are faithful to live like Jesus every day of your life, in front of your students, with your students, learning, admitting mistakes, asking forgiveness, all of those things that are involved in living a life that glorifies Christ. Every once in a while, he just might show you yeah. um, what that does. Yeah. And with this particular student, that is one of few cases where you can see the fruit of your labor. But even if we never saw that, uh, Jesus sees it. He, right. he knows what we're doing. That's right. And we have that desire to glorify him no matter what. Right. I'm just thankful for the times when he does let you see that. And yes, it it is a humbling piece. Right. Well, one of the things that Dr. Ferguson and I talk about frequently, and we share this with our students, is that um, if you want to increase your sphere of influence, you should teach because you have such an impact. And, you know, not just with the students, but with their parents and with the teacher across the hall from you. And it's, it's such a, a great ministry. And you know, with a teaching degree, we talk about this all the time, but with a teaching degree, what you can do is almost unstoppable. Even you know, in other countries, they want people from um, the U.S. with a, a teaching license. Teaching, it, it's a great, it's, it's difficult sometimes. And another thing that we do tell our students is, there are so many different kinds of schools out there. Right. You choose the school that fits you because if you don't, then you, you might just give up. But there are, there are so many different opportunities. And again, that's you know, one of the reasons why we started Symbiotica is because that's just another um, way to get them, uh, allow them to see uh, another type of teaching. And so, um, yeah, just increasing our sphere of influence is what teaching is all about. And we all have a sphere of influence. We all have a platform, whether mm-hmm. whether it's teaching, whether it's being a policeman, whatever sure. it is, we mm-hmm. have a platform. And it's, it's a shame if we don't use it to impact the lives of other people. And I, I commend you guys for, for doing that and impacting students in your career. So, Ruth, you mentioned uh, symbiotica, and that's really the main topic of the, today's conversation. So. How influential were your years in elementary school, middle school teaching toward prompting you to start Symbiotica? And then tell us what Symbiotica is. Well, I will tell you what it means. And it goes back to, uh, even though I'm a literacy professor and um, Dr. Ferguson is math, uh, we both love science. You know, we were talking about how uh, and the term symbiosis means a mutual relationship. Like when you have two different entities, I guess they mutually benefit from working together. 
our students are helping the homeschool students, and then the homeschool students are helping our students increase in their ability, their skills, you know, everything that is required of being a just a good teacher. And so that's why we call it symbiotic, and we try to make it a little fancy by adding the uh on the end of it. Does, it, does, it does sound good. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> Looks good on a T-shirt, too. Yes. It's really important. Really. And then we have been talking about just having some type of uh, lab school, and I use that in quotations, for a number of years. And we finally were able to get it off the ground this past fall. And you want to talk a little bit about that, Lori? Let's go back. When Dr. Sylvester first started here, I knew that she was going to be the kind of colleague and friend that I could just bounce ideas off of. Hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? And she's always game for new ideas. We have a folder that we keep of all of the ideas that we want to try. Or, um, it, it's, it's fun to, have, to be able to work with someone in that way. Um, we started bouncing around the idea of starting a school several years ago in We even said, what would it look like if we had this in our basement? Like, who would trust us to do that? And just because it's it's really difficult to think about maintaining what we do here as professors and then also starting a school, which was a dream, something that we had talked about. We also threw on ideas. What would be unique about our school? What would we do differently? Uh, Why would this be, you know, a place that people wanted to send their kids? All of those questions. Really, one of the biggest pieces that we thought of is Cedarville University as a whole is an amazing place. Absolutely. We have amazing people. Our students blow us away every day with what they can do and who they are. And to not use that in and of itself, who Cedarville is and the expertise of the faculty and the students here for others to learn from, we we just didn't want to keep doing that. We wanted it to be out there so that others can learn from that. So that was a big piece of it. Knowing our students and what they bring to the table, the skills that they are already naturally gifted with, the Mm -hmm. uniquenesses that um, they can bring that set them apart so that there's a little bit of everything in a classroom, right? So when I taught in the K-12 world, when you had math class with me, it was just me. Right. But when you come to Symbiotica and you have math class at Symbiotica, you get me and you get however many middle childhood mathematics education students we have at the time. Okay. So this past semester, they got me plus nine additional people teaching them content. And knowing that each of those teachers is slightly different and brings you know their own unique set of strengths and gifts and talents and can share that with the students, why wouldn't we want to do that? Why yeah. wouldn't we share that? Why wouldn't we um, want to build upon that? amazing element that doesn't exist anywhere else. So that in and of itself, I think, was one of the biggest things that we saw. In addition, it's getting increasingly more difficult to actually find mentor teachers out in the K-12 schools right now. One of the difficulties for Cedarville is that there happen to be quite a few other universities with teacher education programs. And so we're kind of fighting for space in our local schools with several other universities. So it makes it a little bit difficult In addition, with the way Ohio and other states, it's not just Ohio, has their assessment cycles, we have students who need to be in classrooms in the spring semester. And in the spring semester, they're testing students. So they don't get as much teaching experience. They have several weeks where they're just watching students take a test. And our students aren't even allowed in the classroom oftentimes Mm. um, during that time because they don't have a degree yet. So there are some complicating factors there. If we were to have a school on campus, our students would be able to teach 
no matter what other outside factors were taking place. And that was another big push for trying to have a school on campus. And um, you can't see us, but we would have air quotes around school. It's not a certified school. It's a teaching and learning lab. So it's impacting your college students teaching elementary or middle school students. Yes. Yes. And and this year, we have just fifth and sixth grade students. Fifth and sixth. How many fifth and sixth grade students this year? There are 22 total. 22. Yes. And we were blessed to receive what we needed to set up a classroom. When you walk into our classroom here on campus, it looks like a classroom that a fifth or sixth grader would walk into and not like all of the other college campuses or college classrooms on campus. So it's pretty cool. So is there a charge for these students to come to to Symbiotica? Is is it $1,000 a semester? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And if they have more than one child, 800 for the second child, I believe, we felt like, you know, most parents can afford that. And if there's some reason that they can't, we don't want that to deter them from um, being a part of Symbiotica. What kind of students are attending Symbiotica? Is it students who are struggling, students who are excelling, or anywhere in between? So right now, the students that um, attend Symbiotica, they're homeschool students. They're homeschool students. Yes. So they're not from Cedar Cliff or another school district. Correct. Okay. And it's only on Mondays and Wednesdays. That's why only the homeschool uh, student really fits our model. There are a few students who were in um, some of the public schools this year, even private schools, that uh, decided to attend Symbiotica instead of going back to their previous school. We really appreciate uh, the parents putting their trust in us Mm -hmm. because, again, these are parents who are amazing homeschool parents. Whenever you see the knowledge that the students have when they come to us, <laughs> um, it and just even our students' comments about uh, the students in general, uh, just how much they know. But then there are a few that they have maybe some um, learning disabilities. That Again, that's the beauty of having the number of students that we have because they can work with the students one-on-one. Right. And that has been, I think, an eye-opener for our students to see, okay, it all, you know, if I can just work with them one-on-one, it's amazing how much they can improve. Right. So if I'm understanding correctly, not only are you helping homeschool young children, but you're also helping college education students know what it means to be a teacher. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And how are you seeing this program helping them? I'm really glad you asked that. Yeah. <laughs> our mm-hmm. students, so Symbiotica in the fall semester ended the first week of November. Because at that time, we sent our middle childhood education students out into the schools for a five-week field experience, which typically comes at the end of their methods courses, methods of teaching courses. So um, we ended Symbiotica at that point. Our students went out into the field. And I'm just going to quote one mentor teacher. I supervised four or five of them. And one mentor teacher pulled me aside and said, I am just blown away at the confidence of my student." When she walked into the classroom, Hmm. it's as if she's done this before. And I said, well, actually, she has. She's been teaching this entire semester. And another thing this mentor teacher noted was that she wasn't nervous when I came in to observe her teaching. And I said, well, of course, she's not nervous because I've been watching her teach Mm -hmm. for the past 10 weeks. So that just one teacher commenting at the confidence, the preparedness, the um, not this nervous, I'm not going to do well kind of yeah. demeanor 
already tells us that our model, at least the end that we see with our middle childhood education students, is producing what we really hoped it would, this confidence and knowledge uh, to go in and continue to teach in other environments. So it's, it's highly successful very early. What's the plan for Symbiotica? Is it, are you going to just keep it here on campus or is there any way this model can be duplicated across the country? Because it seems like a great model. Well, it's interesting that you asked that because we just had an accreditation visit uh, what, a month or so ago. And one of the um, members of the team wants to implement something similar to Symbiotica at her university sure. because she saw it. She didn't just read about it, hear about it. She actually saw, saw it. it. Right. And she saw our college students working so well with the students. It was just so seamless. And she got to see the creativity and just the well-prepared lessons. That was kind of exciting for us to hear someone say, okay, I want to, I want to implement something similar. Mm-hmm. So this could go more regional or more national as the program continues mm-hmm. with, with here at Cedarville, right? Well, one of the things too that, you know, we're, we're not just teachers and just professors. We're also researchers. Okay. okay. Yeah. And so that that's part of, you know, what the expectations is that we do some research. So we will be doing um, some research in our lab. What are some effective pedagogies? that is successful for students. We haven't started collecting data yet because, you know, we're sort of piloting it right now before we actually formulate our research. But, um, you know, we've tossed around a lot of ideas. We will use this for some research and to inform other schools. And also, we we invite even some of the teachers in the schools to come and see what we're doing in Symbiotica okay. because it may be something they could implement in their school right, or in their classroom. Sure. Mm-hmm. In order to start this program, did you have to get any governing body approval or could you just start it because you want to start it? We are th- <laughs> very thankful for Dr. Jones, who is the Dean of the School of Education and Social Work. And he caught our vision and was willing to jump in with us and uh, contact all the people that we needed to contact to make a go of it. Uh, So we did work with Dr. Jones, our dean, um, Dr. Mack, the academic vice president, our campus lawyer. There were several other people that were involved, and I didn't have to do all of the other connections. But because we are not a certified school, because we are a teaching and learning lab, we had to, you know, show a measure of safety and um, we have some documents that the parents sign, you know, that they uh, mm-hmm. come alongside and understand mm-hmm. what we're doing. Related to technology. Yes, technology. Mm-hmm. We had to also use many of the university policies, like sure. for technology and right. safety, those kinds of things. Right. But it wasn't incredibly difficult because uh, we kept it as a teaching and learning lab. Okay. So it made it a little bit easier to right. um, have this dream come true. I marvel at your dream and your vision because it, it's it's a win-win to me. It's It's... It's a win for your college students who want to go in the field and be quality teachers, but as you're serving, you're ministering, you're educating young kids in a different way. And I'm sure they're, they're responding well to it. My last question is um, a little bit different, um, but from your perspective, what sets Cedarville University's education program apart from other Christian colleges that you may or may not know of? What, what's, what's so unique about what you guys are doing in the School of Education and Social Work? We didn't want to reinvent the wheel. 
And so, of course, we went online to see if there were other schools that were doing something similar. And there are, are a few Christian schools that have a lab school. Um, so, But I would say very, very few. And so students that are interested in Cedarville and interested in education, that especially if they're middle childhood uh, majors, they will be involved in Symbiotica, which, again, I think that is something that does set Cedarville University apart from others. I would echo what Dr. Sylvester is saying. We believe it is an excellent opportunity, and we're just so excited that we get to do it, that we get to be part of this. I think a couple of other things that set aside uh, Cedarville University, we would hope that every Christian college claims to stand on the Word of Christ would set their courses up with biblical principles. Mm -hmm. They would teach their students what integration looks like in a classroom, um, especially sending so many students into the public school system. But I know for sure, and I have great confidence, that our School of Education does this very well. We have some professors that I would say are the best in the field with the research and the books and definitely set our students up for success in biblical integration in a lost world. And I am very thankful for that. We also have a robust overseas, around the world system of connections with other schools. We are ACSI certified, the School of Education is, and that opens the door for our students to literally go really anywhere that there is an ACSI school. We have one professor who is devoted to Mm. um, helping make those placements and even giving contacts. So I I think that that's another standout because if you want to go outside of uh, the United States, we have opportunities set up for you to do that, ready to go. Mm. And our students really benefit greatly from that. So I would say that we have several standouts uh, that make the School of Education at Cedarville University amazing. So they don't have to stay here in the U.S. to do their student teaching. They can do their student teaching in other countries as well. There was a student who came to me who wanted to go teach in Suriname. I didn't really, at the time, this is terrible. I didn't know where it was. I had to look it up. And she stayed there. She is, she's making a career of it, and she's teaching there. And I find that amazing. We've had several students go to teach on a mercy ship. Yeah. And that's just amazing what we can do. And it's because of what they've learned here through our professors and setting them up for those connections. If you have a student in your household or in your family of some kind or or a neighbor, it doesn't matter, who are looking for a solid Christ-centered education in the area of education, they want to be a a quality teacher that uses the platform to benefit others. I encourage you to look at Cedarville's School of Education You can go to cedarville.edu to learn more about our School of Education. Ladies, our time is up. It went by quickly. I I want to thank you for joining me. And uh, thanks for what you're doing here at the university. Our pleasure. I want to thank you for listening to the Cedarville Stories podcast brought to you by Cedarville University. You are encouraged to share, like, and review this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another Cedarville story for God's glory.